0: Hey guys, (laughs) thanks, thanks, wow, (laughs) that is, that is quite a greeting, (laughs) Um, so last week uh, Kevin talked about um, our tongue and how to control our tongue, how to uh, use our words for life or our words to bring death, Um, so we're picking up right back where Kevin left off last week, Um, and I assume if you're here, you probably would rather use your words to bring life to people rather than to bring death to those around you. Um, And so one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight is how we can do that. So I want to read um, verse 13 in James chapter 3. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it, living an honorable life, doing good works with the... Holy wisdom, honorable, oh, sorry, humility that comes from wisdom. (laughs) That screen's a little different. Okay, so um, who in here thinks that you are a wise person who understands God's ways? All right, we got one. Okay, two. Okay, so you two. What what is wisdom? How is it different from knowledge? Anyone can answer this. What is knowledge? Let's get a, a good definition of knowledge. (laughs) A little louder? Knowing things. Knowing things. Okay, good. Yeah. So knowledge is um, acquaintance with facts, truths, or principles. So basically, yeah, you know information, you have information. So what's wisdom? How is it different? Yeah, absolutely. So application, what to do with it, having experience. So having the power of discernment and judging properly as to what is true or right. So you can have all the knowledge and have no wisdom, but you have to have the knowledge to have the wisdom. So I've heard it said like this, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, and wisdom is knowing not to add it to a fruit salad. (laughs) All right, so we're going to go back into um, James and read in verse 14 through 16 which I'm just gonna read it from back here, if that's okay. Uh, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. For things are, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So this is what's considered worldly wisdom. This kind of wisdom is motivated by the enemy. It doesn't come from above. And we have some characteristics very clearly laid out in this verse that describe worldly wisdom and how to identify it. It's bitter. It's jealous. It's boasting or prideful. It's lying. It's selfish, unspiritual, and evil and Frankly, none of this really sounds very wise to me anyway. So worldly wisdom is maybe not the best way to say it, but that's what we're going to go with for this evening. So in, in verse 17, we find out what godly wisdom is. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving gentle at times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So we have laid out here the characteristics of godly wisdom. It's peace-loving, considerate, humble, sincere, merciful, pure, and good. If you see these side by side, they're basically exact opposites of each other. You can't have one and the other together. You can't be prideful and humble. You can't be lying and also sincere at the same time. Worldly wisdom and godly wisdom cannot happen at the same time because they are complete opposites. So your true wisdom can be measured. You can find a a wise person by looking at someone's character, you're gonna see people exhibit these characteristics. So if you know someone who is merciful or sincere, they probably are gonna be a good source of godly wisdom. So most of what I wanna talk about tonight is comparing some examples of worldly wisdom and then seeing if we can find a godly wisdom that can sort of counteract that and see how those really are opposites and do not go together. So the first worldly wisdom that I wanna talk about is you are what you experience. This is kind of that YOLO, FOMO kind of culture where you have to do everything that you see everyone else doing. What's the popular Instagram pic? What am I gonna be wearing to school? Cause I gotta make sure I'm doing what everyone else is doing. It's finding experiences. You wanna go ride a llama or go bungee jumping or whatever it is that you want to do to get that few seconds of thrill, that excitement that makes you feel alive. This comes from jealousy. It's comparison. It's comparing yourself to others and what they're doing and how you want what they have. You wanna be the person that they are. You wanna experience that Feeling that makes you feel alive for a a short period of time. But the truth is, the godly wisdom is that life is fleeting and God is the only thing that can satisfy. No matter how many experiences you have, no matter how many times you go skydiving or paragliding, at the end of it, you're always going to feel empty. The only thing that can fill that emptiness inside you is God. In Ecclesiastes 1, It says all things are wearisome more than anyone can say the eye is not satisfied by seeing or the ear filled with hearing What has been is what will be and what has been done is what will be done There's nothing new under the Sun. Can one say about anything? Look, this is new It's already existed in the ages before us Now you may think the Bible doesn't know anything about the things I experienced today. And while your experience is uniquely maybe a little bit different, and sure, the Bible doesn't talk about cell phones or Instagram or Snapchat or Be Real or any of that, it's still the same experience. It's the same emptiness. It's the same unsatisfaction with what we have. God is only the only thing that can bring satisfaction to us. So our next worldly wisdom is that sex is no big deal and love is love. This really comes from selfishness. All you care about is your needs and what you want in that moment. And that's instant gratification. That definitely doesn't come from God. The world, the media, your friends will tell you that it's just the inevitable next step in your relationship and you're gonna do it at some point anyway so you might as well get it over with. But that's not real. That's not what God says. God created marriage to protect us and to keep us safe. In Hebrews, it says marriage is to be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. God isn't trying to give us boundaries that hurt us, that make our life hard. He wants to protect us. He wants to protect us physically, emotionally, psychologically. All of those things can be harmed if you are trying to explore your sexual activity. God wants to keep us safe, and that's why he created these boundaries for us. So our next worldly wisdom is that there are different paths to heaven, and everyone's beliefs are true. If you were in service this morning, um, our guest speaker, Brian, actually talked about um, Jesus asking God to take away his, his death on the cross so that he wouldn't have to experience that. And God didn't because it was the only way. If there was any other way that we could reach heaven, why wouldn't God have done that instead of sacrificing his only son, who's part of him? This stems from an unspirituality where we don't want to give our spirits to someone. We want to have control of it. And we want to think that I can be a good person. I can go to church. I can do good things. I can be nice to people. And that's enough to get me to heaven. I don't have to walk the narrow path because God loves me. And so that means that he'll always take care of me. And yeah, that is absolutely true if you're a true believer. But if you're living your life in a way that's counter to what, what God has commanded, you're not on the right path. Christ is our only salvation. In John 14:6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you believe the Bible is true, then you have to believe that Jesus is the only way because that's what Jesus said. And if the Bible is true, then what Jesus said is also true. Our next early is that if someone wrongs you, you have a right to pay them back. Sometimes this comes from anger and bitterness, and we think, I have, to, I, have to, I have to teach this person a lesson. I have to teach them that they can't treat me like this. They hurt me, and so I have the right to hurt them back because they're the one who started it. It may even come from a deluded sense of trying to make someone a better person. Well, if I don't teach them that this is wrong, then they're just going to go and treat everybody else badly. So I'm just really helping everyone around me by teaching this person a lesson. This comes from bitterness. And bitterness is just anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. But the world doesn't get to decide what's fair and what's unfair. Only God gets to decide that. In Matthew 5:4, Jesus tells us, "I tell you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who persecute you." So our godly wisdom is to love your enemies. Jesus forgave the soldiers who were crucifying him on the cross while he was dying. If that's not loving your enemies, I don't know what is. Jesus never sought retribution and he lived his life as fully man and fully God, which means that he absolutely had the power to cast judgment on every single person. But he didn't. He was kind and he was merciful. How can you bless your enemies if you're cursing them? How can you pray for your enemies if you are planning how you're gonna hurt them back? Our next worldly wisdom is that I'm my own authority. I know what's best for me. As students and young adults, you guys probably feel like you have everyone telling you how to live your life, how to make your choices, when to get up, when to go to bed, what to wear, how to, how to talk, who to be friends with. It comes from parents, it comes from your, people around, your peers around you, your friends, it can even come from people at church that you always feel like someone is telling you what to do. And sometimes you feel like you're the only one who really knows what's best for you. I think even as adults, we probably feel like that a lot too. There's always someone who's telling you what you can and can't do and what's right and wrong for you. This comes from a sense of pride. You think that you know better than the people who have gone before you. You think you are the only one who can understand what you're going through. But the godly wisdom here is that God is the creator and the final authority In Isaiah 29, it says, You have turned things around as if the potter were the same as the clay. How can what is made say about its maker, He didn't make me. How can what is formed say about the one who formed it? He doesn't understand what he's doing. So when you question God as your creator, when you question the way that God made you, when you question his plan for you, you throw back in his face the fact that he created you. He made you exactly as He intended. Your your name was known by Him, the hairs on your head were known by Him before you were born, before your parents were born, before time even began, He knew you. He knew your personality, He knew your mistakes, He knew your flaws, and He knew your strengths. And He loved you, and He still created you, and He is still the authority in our lives. If He knows everything about you, even more than you know about yourself, isn't he gonna be the better authority in your life? And our last worldly truth is that you deserve nothing less than the best. Now this one doesn't really seem that bad, like why can't I have nice things? And if I'm gonna buy something, then I'm gonna buy you know, the best brand, make sure it's high quality. And that's, that's true, that's good. But if you're constantly seeking to have the newest, biggest, best, fanciest, shiniest, whatever it is, you're never going to be done. It never ends. There's always something new. There's always something better. There's always something different. There's always something that you don't have. You simply cannot attain it all. And if you try, you're always going to fail. You'll never achieve it. And it's never going to give you the contentment that you think it will. If I just have the newest phone, my camera will be better and then I won't have to spend so much time taking good pictures. Or if I just have like this new pair of shoes, then I don't have to worry about getting new clothes because my shoes are always going to look good. But that's, you're never going to find contentment in that. It's always going to be something different. Our godly wisdom here is that we can only find true contentment in God. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. And that's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If we're striving to get all the stuff, all the things, at the end of your life, you take none of it with you. None of it means anything. When you stand at the gates of heaven, you're not going to have your AirPods with you. You're not gonna have your car with you. You're not gonna have whatever it is that you prize the most, it's not gonna be there. What will be with you is your spirit, your heart, your past, your choices. God sees all of those things and those are the things that carry on with you into heaven. And the good news is, if you're a true believer, even your past and your mistakes get left behind and all God has before him is a pure person who's loved him and trusted in him. So we've talked a lot about um, different types of worldly wisdom and um, I think more importantly than all of those things is understanding how we can attain this godly wisdom. So we have, um, there's four different ways that I've come up with that you can um, practically apply this to your life and how you can um, find some of that godly wisdom for yourself, because those obviously are not the only examples of worldly wisdom that you experience in your life. So the first way is that you learn from your mistakes. If you keep finding yourself in the same difficult situation, you may need to take a step back and think about how you can change behavior or what kind of wisdom you can find to make different choices in the middle of that. If you have a difficult relationship with your parents because they don't trust you, but you continue to lie to them about who you're with, where you are, and when you're gonna be doing stuff, they're not gonna trust you anymore. Take a step back. Maybe try being honest with them. Yeah, it might be harder, but your par- you'll earn your parents' trust back. So learn from your mistakes. Ask people to help you. What did I do wrong in this situation? How can I have approached this and things would have ended up better? Now, it's not to say that you're always the problem and your, mis- your choices are always gonna get you in trouble or anything like that, but you definitely can look and, and see how you could have handled things differently. The second way is to ask for it and then keep on asking. God granted Solomon one thing that he wanted and Solomon asked for wisdom and God honored it so much that he became the wisest man in the history of time. <laughs> God wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to know how to use the knowledge that he's given us. He doesn't want us running around like, you know, ants just trying to build our our, um, anthill back after someone stepped on it. He wants us to move with purpose. He wants us to move towards him with wisdom. So don't just ask for wisdom one time and be disappointed when you don't feel like you got it ask for it. Ask for it every time you pray. Ask people to pray for you. Ask God for wisdom in specific situations. If you don't know what to do about something, ask God to help you know what to do. So ask for it and keep on asking. Um, Find a wise mentor. We talked about godly characteristics and things that that you can look for in people. Do you know someone who's sincere? Do you know someone who's humble? They might be a good person to ask for godly wisdom to help you understand how to approach a situation to know what the, what the wise thing to do would be. So find a wise mentor. It doesn't have to be someone that's super old. It doesn't have to be someone who's like your grandparents' age. It can be someone who's a couple years older than you, who has more experience or who reads God's word and understands what God's wisdom is. And then our last one, our last way is to get to know God and his character. How can you know what godly wisdom is if you don't know who God is? And how can we get to know God? Well, there's a reason why the Bible is called God's word. It's because they're his words. And if you know anything, it's that getting to know people and having conversation is the best way to understand who they are. So the more you read God's word, the more you're going to know who he is. You can start anywhere. Anywhere in the Bible is going to be a good place to start. In fact, we're moving really slowly through James right now, and I think it's fantastic. It's going to be real easy to keep up. It's not hard to read one chapter in a week. These aren't super long. Start in James. That's where we are right now. Anytime you can get to know God and his character is going to help you understand where where his wisdom is and and just... I want us to, um, as we sing this next song, stand, come up, sit in your seat, go to the back and be alone, whatever that's going to look like for you. But while we sing this song, I want you to spend some time asking God for wisdom. If you don't have a specific situation you need wisdom for, then just ask for it generally. If you don't want wisdom, then pray for someone you know who does. You don't have any friends, you can pray for wisdom for me. I mean, anybody that you know... Everybody needs wisdom. So I just want you to spend a few minutes, either a specific situation or a specific person or even just yourself in general, and just ask God for wisdom and ask him to help you understand what his wisdom is and then how to identify it.